Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. All right, so like I said, we're starting a new sermon series this morning called Baptist Faith. And as I guess the subtitle would be what we actually believe as Southern Baptists. Um, And so in this sermon series, I'm going to be comparing what we believe as Southern Baptists versus what the world thinks we believe or what the world says we believe. Uh, This is obviously going to be very different from my normal sermon series where we're picking a book of the Bible or a group of books in the Bible and walking through them, keeping them in in context and biblical and historical context. Uh, This is going to be more topical. I don't typically do topical sermons, uh, but this series is going to be. Uh, One of the inspiration for this sermon series, one of the inspirations for this sermon series, um, comes from a question that Hannah asked. Um, She was talking with one of her friends who had been attending another church in town, and the friend was talking about some of the things that the pastor said, and it just kind of made Hannah ask some questions. So she went on that church's website and started looking at their statement of faith, and that really raised some red flags for her. Uh, I'm not going to say who the friend was or what the church was. That's really not that important. But Hannah was able to point out in their statement of faith some of these things that we don't agree with, but when it came to her being able to actually verbalize things that we do believe, she was kind of, uh, she felt like she was lacking. And so she was asking me about this, and I thought, well, this would be like a really good sermon series. Um, On the other hand, there's a lot of talk nowadays about these AI chatbots and uh, their abilities and their different things that they can do. Um, I'm not going to be able to pretend to be able to explain it all right now or even understand it all right now, but to oversimplify it, what these things do is they, they're basically predictive text that uses the whole internet. They scour the entire internet to guess what the next word in the sentence should be. And so when you ask it a question, it starts scouring the whole internet to try to predict the answer, what, uh, what the answer should be. And it will do this for you know, a sentence or a paragraph or even up to several pages long. To, and you can basically cheat an essay with them. Um, Like I said, it's basically predictive text using the entire internet to predict what it should say. So because of the way that they work, they're a good way to get an understanding of what the internet says about a certain topic. Um, Therefore, I'm going to be comparing the AI chatbot answers to questions of Southern Baptist doctrine and what the Bible says about them, along with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. So looking at this sermon series, each sermon should basically have the same outline, um, the first part is going to be AI chatbot answers. The second part is going to be the Baptist faith and message. And the last part is what does the Bible actually say? And the first topic this morning is what do Southern Baptists believe about baptism? Well, I thought this would be a good one for us to start today, partially because we had baptism this morning. Um, this is you know, today the, the North Carolina Baptist Association is doing this fill the tank initiative looking for baptisms. Um, but also we're Baptist. Right? We're kind of known. We are named for our belief about baptism or our doctrine about baptism. And just as a side note, it was not Baptists who named ourselves Baptists. It was the culture looking at us and saying, oh, they do this weird thing with baptism, so let's call them Baptists. Kind of the same thing with John the Baptist. He didn't name himself John the Baptist, but he was known for baptizing people, so he got named John the Baptist. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into this. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we dig into some of our doctrines and our beliefs, I pray, God, that you will give us clarity. You will give us uh, 
answers and, and help us to grow our faith in this. Lord, as, as we open up your word, help us to find the truth in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, to start with, what I did is I went into the three most popular or most well-known AI chatbots and asked the question, what do Southern Baptists believe about baptism? So our first one, probably the most popular one right now, is ChatGPT. And here's what ChatGPT had to say about what Southern Baptists believe about baptism. It says, Southern Baptists believe that baptism is an act of obedience to Jesus Christ and a public declaration of a person's faith in him. They believe that baptism is an important part of the salvation process, and it symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Southern Baptists practice baptism by immersion, which means that the person being baptized is fully immersed in the water. They believe that this method of baptism best represents the symbolism of dying to the old self and being raised to new life in Christ. Southern Baptists do not believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, but they do believe it is an important step of obedience for believers. They also believe that baptism should only be administered to those who have made a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ. In summary, Southern Baptists believe that baptism is a public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ, uh, symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and is an, an act of obedience for believers. They practice baptism by immersion and believe that it is not necessary for salvation, but an important step for believers. Is that a long enough answer for you? Now, overall, I would say that's a, that's a really good summary of what we believe about baptism. I was telling a, a friend of mine about the idea for this sermon series, and as soon as I said something about asking these AI chatbots about what they say about what we as Southern Baptists believe, immediately he was like, whoa, those things are they're supposed to be uh, uh, non-subjective. Uh, uh, they're supposed to be subjective, but you know, I don't know about that. I said, well, honestly, when I asked, they actually had some really pretty good answers. In this answer, there's only one little statement that I would say needs a little bit of adjustment. I wouldn't quite say it's wrong. It just needs a little more nuance. So... We go to the next AI chatbot, and that's Google Bard. And this is Google's version of basically the same thing. Unfortunately, Google's answer is not any shorter. So Google says, Southern Baptists believe that baptism is an ordinance or a command from Jesus Christ. They believe that baptism is a public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ and a sign of one's commitment to follow him. Southern Baptists also believe that baptism is a symbol of one's death to sin and resurrection to new life in Christ. Southern Baptists practice believer's baptism, which means that they believe that only those who have personally put their faith in Jesus Christ should be baptized. They do not baptize infants or children who are too young to make a personal decision for Christ. Southern Baptists believe that baptism should be by immersion, which means that the person being baptized is completely submerged in water. They believe that this is the most accurate way to symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a very important part of a Southern Baptist life. It is a public declaration of one's faith in Jesus Christ and a sign of one's commitment to follow him. Southern Baptists believe that baptism is a necessary step in one's spiritual journey. So again, much like GPT, uh, this is a pretty good answer, only it's, it's quite lengthy. Again, quite lengthy. And again, like ChatGPT, there's just one little statement that I say needs a little bit of adjustment. Again, I wouldn't say it's really wrong. It just needs a little more nuance. And actually, it's still on the board right now. Do you see what it is? Can you point out what I think Google needs to adjust their answer a little bit? What's that? The last sentence. The last sentence. Southern Baptists believe that baptism is a necessary step in one's spiritual journey. Yeah. I think that one needs a little bit of nuance with that. Again, I wouldn't quite say it's wrong, but the way it's described isn't really right. So, 
Let's see if Microsoft can do any better. So Microsoft's version of this is called Microsoft Bing Chat. Right, so spoiler alert, it does pretty good. Uh, and at least it does pretty good at being shorter. It's, it all fits on one slide. All right, sorry, I'm going the wrong way here. There we go. Uh, here's Bing's answer. Bing says, Southern Baptists believe that baptism is for those who have previously entered into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They view baptism as a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ and as an act of obedience to him. Southern Baptists practice adult believers' baptism by immersion and reject infant baptism. Hmm, that's a pretty good answer. Again, one little thing with, I would say, adult, right? Jameson's not an adult, but we baptized him this morning. Um, but I would say they're just trying to differentiate from infant baptism to believer's baptism. So, again, that's a really good summary, though. Um, one of the good things about uh, Microsoft Bing, their chatbot, is that they actually provide sources. They cite the sources that they went to to get these answers. So you can actually go through and follow the links that are provided there. And what I'm going to do, uh, or what I have done, is I'm, I'm providing these links in the podcast show notes and in the YouTube video description. So if any of you want to go back and find follow these links, you can do that. Um, so for this answer, Bing listed its sources as baptistpress.com. Well, first of all, if you're going to ask questions about Southern Baptist, baptistpress.com is a really good place to go because that is our the Southern Baptist Convention's official publication website. So baptistpress.com is a good place to go. Uh, it also listed learningreligions.com, newsmax.com, and baptistdistinctives.org. Um, again, that first link in the show notes, um, it's, it's a really good read. It goes to an article. It's a really good read. Now, this is the shortest answer. Uh, it is a really good summary of what we believe about baptism. Unfortunately, it's not very thorough because it's so short. So there's this delicate balance, right? Do we want more information like ChatGPT or Google gives us, or do we want a more succinct answer such as Bing? Well, it's tough, right? So let's see if the Baptist faith and message can do a better job at that. Now, before I actually read this, let me talk about what the Baptist faith and message is. So the Baptist faith and message is a statement of faith that is written by and voted on by the Southern Baptist Convention. It is a summary of what we believe as Southern Baptists. So real quick, let me give a quick description or, uh, yeah, I guess description of how the Southern Baptist Convention works as a denomination. It is not like most other denominations because the denominational entity, right, the Southern Baptist Convention, has no authority over this church. This church, as a Southern Baptist church, we are surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, and he is the leader of this church, right? And it is constitutionally, I'm sorry, not constitutionally, it is um, congregationally governed. That means that the congregation, in surrender to the Lord, has the authority over the church, not the denomination. The denomination has no authority over the church. We choose to associate with the Southern Baptist Convention because we agree with them in faith. And in partnering with them, we can pool our resources together for mission strategies. And so that's why we have things like the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board. And those are the main things that the Southern Baptist Convention does. So we partner with them. Now, I say that the Southern Baptist Convention has no authority over us, but we choose to partner with them because we agree in faith. That means that there has to be a clear statement of faith so that we know what we're agreeing to. On the other hand, the Southern Baptist Convention can choose to say, no, you do not agree with us, so you're not going to partner with us. Again, that's no authority over the church. They would just refuse to associate with certain churches. Uh, for instance, if maybe there's a church who does practice infant baptism and they say, well, we want to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, the SBC could say, 
no, we don't practice uh, infant baptism, so you're not going to be part of the SBC. Again, no authority. Uh, some other denominations, they get to choose how the church spends the money, or they get to choose who the next pastor is going to be, or when it's time for a certain pastor to move on. The SBC has no authority like that over us. So the Baptist faith and message, it is that statement of faith. So we know what we are agreeing to when we say that we are a Southern Baptist church. Um, and so what we believe doesn't really change over time. How we explain it might change over time. Or sometimes new questions come to the forefront. So the Baptist faith and message undergoes revisions when necessary. The most recent revision of the Baptist faith and message is, or it was uh, adopted by the annual convention in the year 2000. So we'll call it the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Or you might see BFM 2000. That's what that means. So we could refer to this as the official summary of what Southern Baptists believe. And so here's what that says about baptism. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the, be the believer's death to sin, and the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a summary, it is, sorry, it is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance it is a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and the Lord's Supper. So, the Baptist faith and message pairs baptism with the Lord's Supper because those are the two ordinances that we practice. However, I just talked in depth about the Lord's Supper a few weeks ago, so we're not going to get real far into that uh, today or in this sermon series. But if we go back to this previous slide, I think this really does a better job of summarizing our beliefs on baptism. So thankfully, the SBC can describe our beliefs about baptism better than all these chatbots. That's good. But what does the Bible actually say? Or we would hope that this statement right here is based on biblical fact. So what does the Bible actually say? That's a good question. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 3, verse 13. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Um, there are actually lots of passages in the Bible about baptism. There are even some passages in the Old Testament about baptism, but most of them are in the New Testament. Um, there are a lot of them, and we don't have time to go through all of them this morning, so we're just going to look at three specifically. And this first passage that we're looking at is Jesus' baptism. So for a little bit of context, right? John the Baptist came to the Jordan River, and he was preaching a message of repentance. And he was baptizing those who were repenting from their sins in preparation for the day of the Lord. He was baptizing those who were confessing and repenting of their sins. And that's where we pick up this text. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. So notice that John, at first, he's hesitant to baptize Jesus. Remember I said John's baptism was one of repentance. Well, Jesus was sinless. He didn't have anything to repent from. And so John says, Well, since you're not repenting, I shouldn't give you this baptism of repentance. But Jesus says, Don't worry about it. This is God's will. So Jesus says that it is the Father's will that he is baptized. So here, Jesus sets the example for us to follow. He does not earn salvation in this baptism, but he is baptized in obedience to the Father's will. And so that's where we get this part of the doctrine where we say that we don't earn salvation through baptism, but we do it in obedience to God. All right, so then if you turn to Matthew 28, 18, you find the Great Commission. This is where 
Jesus gives his disciples their mission. This is what they're supposed to do after Jesus ascends into heaven. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and it is his last words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. It is his command for his disciples to carry on his mission and to share the gospel with the entire world. So in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in this, I want you to notice that we are commanded to baptize new disciples. The Great Commission is about spreading the gospel, the good news. This is the news about Jesus' salvation for us. Well, salvation means that we have to be saved from something. What are we being saved from? Well, when we look in our lives, we look at the world around us, we see a lot of brokenness. Our lives, our health, our bodies, our relationships, creation itself is broken. And that brokenness goes into every aspect of our lives. This isn't the way that God created this world to be. This isn't the way that God designed things to be. There is a specific design that God had for the world. And in Genesis 1, when we read about the creation, we see that God created the world to work in perfect order. He created us to be in perfect relationship with the rest of creation. He created us to be in perfect relationship with each other. And he created us to be in perfect relationship with him. But all those relationships are broken. But what caused them to break? That's our sin. Our sin removes us from God's design. It is where we reject God's design for our life, and it takes us into this place of brokenness. And that, like I said, that brokenness affects every aspect of creation. And people feel this brokenness in their lives, and they do all sorts of different things to try to fix the brokenness. You know, like I said, our relationships are broken. So maybe people will try to fix the relationships in their family, and they'll, they'll dive into their family and love on their family and try to build the, the greatest family ever And that's a good thing, but unfortunately, that's not going to fix our brokenness. Other times, maybe people think, well, maybe if I can just earn enough money or buy enough stuff, I can fix this brokenness, or I can can do enough good things to fix this brokenness. And again, working hard is a good thing. Being generous is a good thing, but that's not going to fix the brokenness. And then there are times, unfortunately, when people just give up, and they give in to the brokenness, and they, they allow drugs or alcohol to try to hide the feeling of that brokenness or numb the pain of that brokenness. And again, well, obviously that one is going to lead to more brokenness. There is nothing that we can do to fix the brokenness in our lives. Our brokenness is where we are stuck. We are slaved and imprisoned by our brokenness. There's nothing we can do. But Jesus came and Jesus lived the perfect life. He lived a sinless life. Our brokenness as a result of our sin, did not affect him. He was sinless. And so he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Because of our sin and our brokenness, we deserve hell and eternal punishment. We deserve death. But Jesus came and he paid that penalty for us. And he was buried in the grave. And on the third day, he was resurrected. And that resurrection was God's way of saying, I accept this payment for your sins. God resurrected Jesus from the grave as an acceptance for, that, acceptance for that payment. And so we place our faith in him for our salvation. We believe in him and we are saved from our sin. We are saved from the punishment of our sin. 
And then we can recover God's design in our life. Our relationship with the Father is restored. And then through the gospel, we can restore our personal relationships with each other. And eventually, when creation is restored in the end times, our relationship with the rest of creation will also be restored. Through surrendering to the gospel, our relationships are restored. That brokenness is fixed. God fixes it for us. That's the gospel. After believing in this good news and placing your faith in Jesus, the next step is baptism. As Jesus said in Matthew 28, Jesus said, take these new disciples and baptize them. According to Jesus' words in Matthew, we are commanded to baptize disciples. That's important. We are commanded to baptize disciples. These are people who are followers of Jesus. For this reason, and for the example shown throughout the book of Acts, we do not practice infant baptism, but believer's baptism. So if you have never been baptized after coming to faith in Jesus, then you can do so today. We still have water in this tank. We can still do that today at the end of service. We have extra, well, we have one extra towel. Jameson used two, but we have an extra towel. So if you have other questions, you can come see me after service and we can plan another time to do it. Finally, let's turn to Romans chapter 6. So we really still, we haven't found in the Bible uh, what baptism means. We saw Jesus set the example for us. We saw Jesus command us to do so, but it hasn't really talked about what baptism means. Um, what is the significance of baptism? Paul explains that for us in this passage. So just for a little bit of context, again, this is the answer to Paul's rhetorical question. One of the ways that Paul writes his letters is he likes to pose a question and then answer that question. He gives these rhetorical questions and then answers them. All right, so this is the, the question that Paul asked was, um, he says, should believers continue to sin so that God can continue to show us grace? And I think that's kind of an obvious answer to that one. And Paul kind of starts off, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, and we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. Baptism is a public declaration that we have joined with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It is an outward show of what has happened in our hearts. In faith, the old sinful Jason died to sin. In faith, that old sinful Jason was put in the grave with Jesus. And in faith, by the power of God, a new Jason was resurrected to live a holy and righteous life. Declared righteous by God. That doesn't mean I'm not going to sin anymore because I do still fail. But I am declared righteous by God. I am no longer a slave to my sin. That's what baptism signifies. The old sinner dying to sin, being put in the grave, and a new creation being raised out of the grave with Jesus to live a righteous life. Baptism is an outward symbol of the inward change. If you have placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, the first step in obedience is believer's baptism. So, our application what application do we get from these passages or from this question? All right, so our application always comes from our definition of a disciple. And our definition of a disciple comes from Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So uh, we have three indicators there, and that's knowing, being, and doing. So know, our first application is to know what baptism is, or know what it means, and know what we believe as Baptists about baptism. So again, I'm going to turn to the Baptist faith and message as a summary of our doctrine of baptism. It says, 
Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and Lord's Supper. So I want to give one more analogy about baptism. All right. If you've been a regular attender here for a while, you've heard me give this analogy before. Um, so baptism is like a wedding band. All right, let me get my wedding band here. Baptism is like a wedding band, okay? Um, if I remove my wedding band, I'm still married, but I wear my wedding band because it is an outward display of the relationship that I have with Hannah. If I remove it, I'm still married, but I wear it to show that I am married. I do not wear it to become married. Baptism is similar. Through, or sorry, though baptism does not save you, you partake in baptism to show others that you are saved. You get baptized because you are saved. You don't get baptized to get saved. So our B application is to be baptized. Right? If you are saved and have not been baptized since coming to salvation, then let today be the day that you respond in obedience to Jesus' teachings. If you are not saved, then place your faith in Jesus for the salvation from your sin guilt. Repent from your sins and turn to him in faith. He has already atoned for your sins, so call out to him for salvation and be reconciled with your heavenly Father. Then be baptized. If you have more questions about it, come see me during the invitation time and we can talk about your next steps. Then after you're baptized, we can talk about church membership. So our due application is to make disciples and baptize them. This goes back to Jesus' words in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is a call for us to spread the gospel to everyone. So most translations use the phrase all nations in that, but the Greek word there is ethne, and it is more closely related to our word ethnicity. So this is not a call to get the gospel out to every country, but it is a call to get the gospel out to all people, people groups. It's not about national borders. It's about people groups. Yes, we support missionaries working around the world, but we are also tasked with taking the gospel to those in our neighborhood and across the street. Jesus commissions us to make disciples with all those in our community, even those who might look or talk or act differently than we do, just as much as we are commissioned to make disciples in our own home and around the world. So our three application points again is to know what baptism is or know what we believe about baptism, be baptized, and make disciples and baptize them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your truth. Lord, as we, we come to this point of, res, uh, of response, Lord, I just ask, God, that you will touch the hearts of everyone listening here and help them to respond to your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've come to our point of response. You can respond right where you're seated. You can come to the front, pray at the cross. You can come and pray with me. But please do not ignore the calling of the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit VictoryBaptistHopeMills.com or Facebook.com slash VBCHopeMills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.